0: Coming to you from a cozy little condo, high atop old Fourth Ward, Atlanta. Welcome Welcome. to the Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts.
1: All right, and happy Monday to you. Hopefully you had a nice weekend. I did and didn't at the same time. (laughs) I mean, I was having a perfectly fine weekend. Weather was great. Georgia clobbered Missouri. Uh, had some softball on Saturday, played in three games, won two of them, went to a fundraising event yesterday, came home to watch the end of the Falcons. And that's where things kind (laughs) of, but you don't come to me to hear me talk sports. So uh, the other thing that was kind of the gray cloud over the weekend, the latest New York Times Siena college polling data. Oh my gosh, (laughs) y'all and, uh, I, I I realize it's a year out, but we're a year out, and I think we already know the president of the United States. We know the kind of man he is. I think we we know the ideology. We also know his likely combatants, his rival, and we've already lived through presidencies of one and about three years. And some change of the presidency of the other. And so while it doesn't really matter what the national poll says about likely voters, because we live in the electoral college, what the swing state numbers say can really make a difference. Swing states, think of uh, 2020. Arizona and Georgia and Michigan and Nevada, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. Those were the states the 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 states that we were all holding our breaths waiting to see how they would fall. We were fortunate in 2020 that Arizona, and Georgia, and Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin all went for Joe Biden. Right now, however, according to the New York Times Siena College poll, only one goes for Joe Biden. And Joe Biden cannot win without Pennsylvania, for sure. It's unlikely he can win without Michigan. Michigan, y'all. He definitely has to have Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Nevada, Georgia, Arizona, yes, they'd be nice, but there are routes around, you know, you start talking about Ohio and, and Florida and yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let's dive into what those numbers look like uh, amongst registered voters, likely voters. The New York Times siena College Poll shows that in Arizona, Joe Biden trails Donald Trump forty-four forty-eight. I'm sorry, forty-four forty-nine. In Georgia, it's forty-three forty-nine. Michigan, forty-three forty-eight. Nevada, forty-one fifty-two. I'm gonna put a pin in that fifty-two percent. Okay. Pennsylvania, forty-four forty-eight. Wisconsin, the one state where Joe Biden holds a slim, margin of error, lead at 47-45. I go back to what Nevada tells us, 52% for Donald Trump, 41% for Joe Biden. Any number above 49%, once you well, I say any number above 50%, at or above 50%, is one that definitely causes some concern. I say that because there are folks in the margins who are going to currently say things that they will definitely change their mind about when the rubber meets the road a year from now. So Donald Trump has 48% of likely voters now in Michigan. I think that's probably his ceiling. I think the same in Pennsylvania. That's probably his ceiling. I think the same in Arizona and Georgia, 49%. That's probably his ceiling. But if there's going to be a third-party candidate or the option to write in, obviously we don't really have that option so much anymore in the 21st century. If there's going to be that third option, then the 49% may be enough. But if it's head-to-head and 49% is Donald Trump's ceiling, and I thoroughly believe it is, I I just have a hard time thinking there's something that'll happen within the next 12 months that makes folks who are undecided or not amongst that 49% go, oh, well, he's the guy. And I've said that before. I believe when you look at Trump's numbers, you are looking at ceilings but make no mistake i am not here to give you the spin i'm not here to give you the sugarcoat okay that's just that's just not who i am <laughs> maybe i'm i'm kind of saying i'm a bit of a pessimist at heart i don't want to be but i am concerned there's no way to sugarcoat these numbers definitely i would tell anyone on the left who is racing out to start unskewing things or dismissing these numbers, y'all? This is the America we have to win in. This this is your voting block. I, I liken it to, to producing a TV show. You know what? One of my favorite sitcoms of all time, Frasier. It's a hilarious TV show. Not the new one. The new one's terrible. But the the the, the old Frasier with 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 Niles and and Daphne and Roz bulldog Fraser and Niles father That was a great show. Smartly written sitcom too, right? I'm telling you one of the in my mind one of the top 5 sitcoms of all time. Just such a funny and smartly written show. It was never a number 1 television show. It got good ratings for much of its run. It was never a top 5 dominant television show. Did well enough but what if it didn't? What if it struggled? What if it never caught on because it was just too smart? I would say to those producers, you you can't tell the audience they're not smart enough to get the show you're putting on and expect the audience to grow. You're not going to get in more viewers by saying, this is such a smart show. Most of you just don't get it. The show has to adapt, right? If the show wants an audience, the show has to adapt. There are folks who are talking about how you know, John Glenn had a lead over Ronald Reagan in 1984, right? A year out, John Glenn wasn't even the nominee by the time the Democratic convention left Atlanta in 1984. But this isn't 1984, and Joe Biden isn't Ronald Reagan. And I don't say that to to be a slam on Joe Biden. I'm just saying that Ronald Reagan wasn't a young man, but he wasn't in his 80s. Ronald Reagan wasn't running against someone who had. Been in the office before. He wasn't running up against a cult icon, an idol, false prophet. He wasn't running against any of that. He didn't have nearly the foreign policy issues, the post-pandemic inflation issues, economic woes, or challenges to overcome. He had a less savvy national media, no social media for we the people to be educated or misinformed with. Folks like to point to what the 2011 numbers looked like. Oh, Mitt Romney was going to beat Barack Obama. Barack Obama wasn't a man in his 80s. He didn't have all of these challenges. We could maybe look at 2015 and be a little concerned, right? Why? Well, because Hillary was never going to get more popular. She just wasn't. She was battle-tested. She had already been defined over the last three decades by society, the media, her opposition party. I I, I want to compare those two, though, because while she was never going to get more popular, Biden's never going to get less old. And listen, I'm a Bernie guy. I tend to lean a bit on the progressive side myself, but I'm I'm not going to hold any punches here. Young progressives are cutting Joe Biden zero slack. Whatsoever. Speaking of young people, going back to the New York Times, Siena College polling, we have this this filed away in our minds, those of us on the left, oh, it's the young people that are gonna save us. Uh the 18 to 29 voter, by the way, gives Joe Biden a slim 46 I'm sorry, 47-46 lead. You go to the next demographic, 30 to 44. Well, they're still kind of young voters, the millennial voter, right? <laughs> Trump, forty-seven forty-three. As you get older, it gets <laughs> It gets worse up until, oh, here you go, the uh, 65 plus, it's a dead heat. Two old men splitting the 65 plus with an even 46%. You think it's the voter of color that's going to come to Joe Biden's defense? Now, I happen to believe 22% of black voters are not going to vote for Donald Trump, but that's what this poll says, 71-22, Hispanic. Voters only give Biden a 50-42 edge. The strategists and the pundits and the spinmeisters are out there doing their best right now to just calm everybody down. And I get that penchant for wanting to do that. But the Democratic Party and the very man in office himself, the president, stubbornly insists there's no problem. And clearly there's a problem. These numbers actually get worse if the Republican Party somehow figures out how to evade a Trump nomination. And maybe that's part of the problem, actually, that the right is having this debate, although it's a bit of a clown show, without Donald Trump even participating because he's the one on the poll, but nobody on the left is out there Getting to state their case, except for Joe Biden. Every time Joe Biden goes in front of a TV camera, we're reminded that he's not a young man anymore. Obviously, I believe that the Biden administration isn't getting the credit that it deserves. And yes, I believe the media is doing a pretty piss poor job narrating this Trump spectacle. But voters clearly want an alternative. And because of the president's aides, they're not likely to ever get excited about him. It's not fair, but it is what it is. It is what it is, Democrats. All along, his sales pitch, in my mind, I've said this often. It should have been, it's a one-and-done deal for me, y'all. So politics plays no role in it for me. Then he could do, in his four-year stint, what's best for the nation, irrespective of electoral consequences. And then a healthy primary season on the left would be illuminating Dems' current and future leaders, which the public sees precious little of right now. And that, I believe, kind of hinders... The party's overall 2024 prospects, right? There's no Mayor Pete. There's no Gavin. No Gretchen. No Warnock or Ossoff. Josh Shapiro out of Pennsylvania. Wes Moore out of Maryland. Mark Kelly from Arizona. I think the nation needs to see a coalition from the left that says, hey, y'all, we got this. Look how we've done since we took over in 2021 and how normal life has gotten. The roller coaster ride that was the Trump presidency, we haven't dealt with. Yeah, the inflation sucks, but that wasn't unique to America and wasn't caused by us. We're just dealing with it. And here's the numbers that show that. The nation needs to see that there's a vision and a blueprint for America today and going forward. And you can do that while hailing the Biden administration accomplishments simultaneously to bolster not only presidential odds in 2024, but to let the vibes travel down the ticket to successfully retake the House and get a more firm grip on the Senate. We're living through the dog in the burning house meme and no, I'm sorry y'all this is not totally fine. Back after this on the American One Radio app, americanradio.com or wherever you podcast this is the Ron Show. Welcome back to the Ron Show. If like me you are absorbing the latest polling, New York Times, Siena College. And again, this that that's not nationwide stuff. Those are battleground states and of those battleground states, Arizona and Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Joe Biden only leads in one of those states and by a slim 47-45 margin and trails bigly in Nevada, by four points in Pennsylvania, by six in Georgia, by five in Arizona, by five in Michigan. Michigan, y'all, has become like this blue bastion. Joe Biden is trailing. So if if like me, you're absorbing this data and you're going, well, we've got 12 months to fix this. What has to happen for? Joe Biden or the Democrats let's just leave it like that the Democrats to retain the White House I don't know that's my answer I don't know and I want to be the person like politics girl
2: talking about Biden's age isn't irrelevant it's just pointless disagree I I, and I love her I
1: love her stuff it's not going to change and that's the problem Well, I mean, it's going to change, but not for the better. Where I do agree with her.
2: But as far as qualifications and capability, I'm not sure there's anyone better than 80-year-old Joe Biden in 2024. Joe Biden has presided over the strongest post-pandemic recovery in the G7. He's added over 13 million jobs to Mm -hmm. our economy. He passed the Infrastructure and Jobs Act to finally fix our crumbling roads and bridges, rid the country of lead pipes, and bring even the most rural locations in America high-speed broadband.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is all good stuff. But on the flip side, let's look at the issue weaknesses. From this morning's New York Times email the morning, a pound of bacon cost an average of $7.08 in the U.S., 21% more than when Biden took office. The price of coffee beans has risen 33%. A gallon of gas is 72% more expensive. And because inflation affects everyone, it can damage the public mood more than almost anything else. Yes, inflation has fallen sharply this year, but most prices have not fallen. Only their rate of increase has. A president can't do much to bring down prices in the short term, yet Biden has taken steps to reduce energy prices. He approved an enormous new oil project on federal land in Alaska while enacting billions of dollars of subsidies for clean energy. He is pursuing the sort of all of the above energy policy that many Americans favor. But he's been strangely unwilling to brag about the Alaska project, as Matthew Iglesias noted in a recent Substack newsletter. Biden seems more focused on avoiding criticism from climate activists than on winning over swing voters who can help reelect arguably the most climate friendly president ever. Looking at the progressives again. No breaks, y'all. There's a similar dynamic. Back to the email. Uh, On immigration, undocumented migration to the U.S. surged after Biden took office, partly in response to his welcoming campaign rhetoric. And many Americans are unhappy about the surge. Although Biden has since taken steps to reduce the surge, he rarely emphasizes these popular steps. Again, he seems more focused on progressive activists than on swing voters. Immigration is indeed a problem for his campaign. In the Times poll, 53% of voters in battleground states said they trust Trump to do a better job on the issue, compared with 41% who trust Biden. When respondents were asked if they supported building a wall along the U.S.-Mexico border, 53% said yes. What did I say last segment, y'all? This is the America we live in. It doesn't make sense. It's not going to work. But sometimes you got to give Americans what they want, knowing it's not going to work. But you live to see another day politically. Let me get back to politics, girl. I need some positive here.
2: He's strengthened U.S. alliances and partnerships all around the world, stood up for democracy as an autocratic rival nation, attempted to take over a democratic one.
1: And we're getting weary of that. We are. As as a country, we're getting weary. How, how many of us still have the Ukrainian flag in our profile photo on social media? Not that we're less empathetic to their needs, but we have half a million deaths now in Ukraine. And the latest surge... Hasn't really yielded that much of a move on the battlefront, and we're just continuing to spend. That worked, by the way. And this, and here's the thing about Joe Biden: the the Ukraine mission is nothing more than a microcosm of what Ronald Reagan did in the 1980s: spend, 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 and grind the Russians back then, the Soviets down until they just get so weary and broke that they collapse. Back then, Reagan had an opposition party that dared not speak ill of us trying to take down the Soviet Union. And conversely, Joe Biden has Marjorie Taylor Greene and many MAGA Republicans who are more friendly in their vernacular to Vladimir Putin than they are to Volodymyr Zelensky. Okay, politics girl, give me some more positives.
2: He brought semiconductor manufacturing back to the U.S., Mm -hmm. passed the PACT Act to support our veterans and their survivors, passed a bill to protect the fundamental right to marriage, Mm -hmm. signed executive orders to help protect reproductive rights as the Republicans stripped them away from us every day.
1: Now, okay, so maybe uh, abortion will aid us a little bit more a year from now than it does right now because we've had a little bit of time since the Dobbs decision to wash over us. And as the author from today's New York Times uh, email uh, says, I do think Democrats sometimes exaggerate the political impact of abortion. In 2022, many Democratic candidates tried to beat Republican incumbents by emphasizing the issue. In red states like Florida and Texas, the strategy generally failed, a sign that most Americans don't vote based on only one issue. That said, in swing states like Michigan, the Republican Party's extreme abortion position did apparently influence enough voters to decide some close elections last year. And of course, we all know that in many states where we see them as red states, Kansas comes to mind, abortion rights won ballot initiatives. But it's a hard message to send the American voter. I need you to reelect me so that what happened on my first watch, I can undo on my second. And again, this is the America we live in. They may not fully understand. you, You need more Senate seats. You need to hold the House. And or you need some Supreme Court justices to meet their maker. Not that I'm calling for it or wishing for it. Just saying that's the reality. And that's a reality because the one-term President Biden that could have went in saying, I'm going to be the one-term guy and damn the electoral consequences, I'm going to pack the court because it's 2023. We haven't grown the Supreme Court in more than 100 years. And why is that? Oh, and Mitch McConnell stole at least one Supreme Court seat, if not two, from a slightly majority liberal country. And we need to fix that. I really don't know what all has to happen for Joe Biden to be the overwhelming odds on favorite to win re-election. I think he needs to Benjamin buttons by 20 years. I think you could see prices drop, but if they do for gas and goods, we're probably heading into a recession and he can't have that happen while running for re-election. So he can't say it. His campaign can't say it. His administration can't say it, but I will. And I, I'm even talking to progressives here. We got to get smarter, y'all. To me, the question is easier. Are we a better off country today than we were on January 20th, 2021? Yes, absolutely. Are we trending in a better direction? Absolutely. That's the simple message, and that's the one we have to keep hammering. I do have more thoughts on this, but I have to take a break in three, two, one. Back after this.
0: This is The Ron Show on America One Radio. All
1: right. So I know the first half of the show probably depressed the dog's not out of you, and I apologize for that. Those poll numbers are what they are. And listen... I'm the first to tell you, because I come from a radio background where I used to manage radio stations, target demographics for 18 to 34-year-olds, 25, 54-year-olds being secondary. People don't answer the phone if they don't know who's calling them. Cell phones aren't always... There have been a lot of trends in polling that have adapted to that, but I still think there's a little bit of a lag when it comes to the younger voter, and I think the younger voter probably does favor... Uh, if not Democrats, I believe that, in fact, I know they do, but also Joe Biden, probably more than the one percentage point that the uh, NYT Siena College poll showed. That being said, uh, those are some pretty puzzling numbers. You've got a former president with 91 indictments at what, four different theaters of trial. (laughs) Never mind the fact that he presided over the presidency of COVID and a net jobs loss, never mind the fact that the economy he boasted of was actually not even measuring up to the economy he inherited. I tell that to right-wingers all the time. They hate, first of all, they refute that. Second of all, when I give them a Forbes article, you know, the liberal left-wing Forbes, I say that with tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, they don't like that. All All the data shows that Obama's last three years economically we're better than than uh, than than Trump's first 3 years. And and again this is this is this is something that just puzzles me the Democratic Party just seems to have a tough time getting that message out. Not that it's even just a message those are facts. Democratic presidents have vastly greater jobs gains than Republican presidents. And yet when you drill down to how Americans feel about Who handles the economy? Republicans get the benefit of the doubt. I can't make sense of it. I I, I can't. It's obvious that messaging has a role in that. And I, I do think the younger voter in particular seems to be more in tune to that, less susceptible to the silly talk about capitalism v. communism, Marxism, socialism. If anything, what worries me is that capitalism has not been so kind to the under 30 voter, the under 40 voter, hell, under 50, (laughs) that capitalism is on the decline in popularity with the younger demographic. And, And we don't want that, do we? We would love for capitalism to prevail, to be the prevailing source of economic theory in this country. But unfettered capitalism, unregulated capitalism, capitalism run amok since Ronald Reagan was first sworn in in 1981, has seen the middle class attacked and wealth hoarding rewarded. There, to me, seems to be a touch of Stockholm syndrome in that, too, in that the venture capitalists and the corporate hierarchy like to inflict a little bit of pain on us to let us know, okay, that's how you're going to vote. Here's what we're going to do to you. There's a little bit of truth to that in that, what was it, like upwards of 40% of inflation, I think, was attributed to just greed, to just profit. No reason behind it, just more money in the pockets of the corporate entities that drive this country's economy. Is big business punishing Americans because things didn't go the right-wing way in 2020? Mm, I don't know. But, well, Robert Reich, former Labor Secretary, here's what he had to say about inflation and how it affects our bottom line. Inflation, inflation,
0: everybody's talking about it, but ignoring one of its biggest causes, corporate concentration. prices are undeniably rising. In response, the Fed is about to slow the economy, even though we're still at least four million jobs short of where we were before the pandemic.
1: By the way, this came out more than a year ago, just letting you know that some of the data he's giving you is a year old. But the point remains that greed and profit was the driver of inflation, not anything Joe Biden did or Democrats did. And millions of
0: American workers won't get the raises they deserve. Republicans haven't wasted any time hammering Biden and Democratic lawmakers about inflation.
1: Skyrocketing inflation. 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 But don't fall
0: for their fear-mongering. Everybody's ignoring the deeper structural reason for price increases, the concentration of the American economy into the hands of a very few corporate giants Mm -hmm. with the power to raise prices. If the market were actually competitive Corporations would keep their prices as low as possible as they competed for customers. Even if some of their costs increased, they would do everything they could to avoid passing those costs on to consumers in the form of higher prices for fear of losing business to competitors. But that's the opposite of what we're seeing. Corporations are raising prices even as they rake in record profits. Corporate profit margins hit record highs last year. You see, these corporations have so much market power, they can raise prices with impunity. So the underlying problem isn't inflation per se, it's lack of competition. Corporations are using the excuse of inflation to raise prices and make fatter profits. Take the energy sector. Only a few entities have access to the land and pipelines that control the oil and gas powering most of the world. They took a hit during the pandemic, as most people stayed home. But they are more than making up for it now, limiting supply and ratcheting up prices.
2: Uh, Chevron, Exxon have doubled their profits. This isn't about inflation. This is about price gouging.
1: Or
0: look at consumer goods. In April 2021, Procter & Gamble raised prices on staples like diapers and toilet paper, citing increased costs in raw materials and transportation. But P&G has been making huge profits. After some of its price increases went into effect, it reported an almost 25% profit margin. Looking to buy your diapers elsewhere? Well, good luck. The market is dominated by P&G and Kimberly-Clark, which not entirely coincidentally raised its prices at the same time. Another example. In April 2021, PepsiCo raised prices blaming higher costs for ingredients, freight and labor. It then recorded $3 billion in operating profits through September. How did it get away with this without losing customers? Pepsi has only one major competitor, Coca-Cola which promptly raised its own prices. Coca-Cola recorded $10 billion in revenues in the third quarter of 2021, up 16% from the previous year. Food prices are soaring, but half of that is from meat, which costs 15% more than last year. There are only four major meat processing companies in America, which are all raising their prices and enjoying record profits. Get the picture? The underlying problem is not inflation, it's corporate power. Since the 1980s, when the U.S. government all but abandoned antitrust enforcement, all American industries have become more concentrated. Most are now dominated by a handful of corporations that coordinate prices and production. This is true of banks, broadband, pharmaceutical companies, airlines, meat packers, and yes, soda. Corporations in all these industries and more could easily absorb higher costs, including long overdue wage increases without passing them on to consumers in the form of higher prices. But they aren't. Instead, they're using their massive profits to line the pockets of major investors and executives while both consumers and workers get shafted. How can this structural problem be fixed? fighting corporate concentration with more aggressive antitrust enforcement. Mm -hmm. Biden has asked the Federal Trade Commission to investigate oil companies, and he's appointed experienced antitrust lawyers to both the Federal Trade Commission and the Justice Department. So don't fall for Republicans' fear-mongering about inflation. The real culprit here is corporate
1: power. And greed. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, kind of, uh, he does it way more eloquently. And of course, you heard all the whooshing and whatnot. That, of course, is a video from Inequality Media and former Labor Secretary Robert Reich. Never mind that inflation wasn't uh, an American-only problem. It was a global problem, and America actually fared better than the rest of the world did on the whole. But there's so much more that's sort of causing this malaise. Right-wing presidential candidates and Donald Trump, of course, are all going to try and hammer Joe Biden on looking weak, When it comes to issues in Israel and Gaza, uh, the Middle East in general, uh, the Ukraine Russian situation, knowing full well that there's nothing more that they would do, like, if anything, I believe they sound like they're looking for retreat in Ukraine. And why don't Democrats say that? Why don't they say that? Why are Republicans looking to retreat? In the face of Russian aggression, Reagan would be spitting in his grave. That's exactly what I'd be saying. Reagan would be spinning in his grave as we look into a treat from Russian aggression. We have to help an ally out. We don't retreat. We don't negotiate with tyrants and terrorists, right? And this is where I go back to what politics girl said about 80-year-old Joe Biden probably being the most qualified, because the man has a wealth of experience. There's no doubt about it. When it comes to foreign policy and diplomacy and uh, playing three-dimensional chess, uh, on that game set. You know what I mean? Like we're dealing with something that I think you can kind of connect the dots and it all goes back to Vladimir Putin and China, uh, their involvement uh, with Iran, Iran's involvement with each other, North Korea, throwing throw them in for good measure. In fact, let's just, are we just waiting to see when North Korea's going to go, hey, did you forget about us? Here I think is the underlying problem. We live in an ADHD America. We want problems solved quickly. Swiftly and without any pain or suffering on our part. Anybody else's part, that's fine. Not ours. We cannot have pain and suffering. We don't want to feel it at uh, grocery checkout, the gas pump, or lives lost uh, in our own military uniform. We just don't want any of that. We want things fixed, though. As if the Israeli-Palestinian thing can be fixed like so swiftly. I mean, I I think there are solutions, but one would require Benjamin Netanyahu not being in office in Israel. Sorry, not sorry. I also believe it it would it would be incumbent upon the Palestinian people to have their rights to elect better leadership. I don't have much control over that either. Neither does Joe Biden really. How does one solve the Vladimir Putin problem when the Russian people won't solve the Vladimir Putin problem? And when when you deal with the, the, the four-decade slow march to corporate greed and, and, and hoarding of wealth and business in this country, no one president, no one presidential term, even if it were eight years instead of four, is going to undo that. But Americans want immediate fixes, and it's just impossible to give that to them. But here's where I think the problem lies, and I say this often. Republicans give you bumper sticker slogan talking points. Democrats have, as I'm trying to tell you, complex solutions that take time to address complex problems. Ugh, you're going to make me read the whole book, but I like what's on this bumper sticker. It's it's simple. I get it. You might get it, but it doesn't fix anything. That's, I think, the larger problem. And you were facing... A decision in this country where we get to choose between a former president who says well Hamas wouldn't have done that if I were president based on what but that's what he says and people go hmm, well it, it didn't happen when he was president well <laughs> of course it didn't happen when he was president, but that doesn't mean that they wouldn't have done it if he were president he says the same about Putin invading Ukraine well that wouldn't have happened if I were president? and people might go well you know Putin didn't invade Ukraine when he was president. But based on what? Tell me, tell me what about Trump's foreign policy chops kept Vladimir Putin from invading? Was it just that he was scared of Trump? Really? Who's scared of Trump? Do you think Vladimir Putin's scared of Donald Trump? Trump was feckless and coward and evasive on answering questions with Vladimir Putin in the room when the media wanted to grill him about. Putin's involvement in the 2016 election. Americans want a solution at the southern border a completely unaware of the 50 or so military incursions that the U.S involved themselves in in Central and South America in the last century and a half that have helped to destabilize many of these countries that folks are coming from and and that's just the military machination that we've you know decided to, to, to put to use. What about sanctions and embargoes and, and things of that matter that kind of put the screws to countries that make it harder for them to succeed economically because, well, we don't we don't like that country because they're this, communist, Marxist, socialist, whatever. We don't like that leader because he's a tyrant. Well, we don't seem to mind the Saudi tyrants. We just kind of pick and choose the ones we do and don't like based on if it benefits again, us makes us comfortable. Trust me, I worry all the time about Biden and the southern border and how he's handled that. And the the, the the problem is, there's not a whole lot he could do. He gets here to talk about building a wall, and he has actually had to pursue finishing some sections of Trump's border wall, which again, isn't going to solve anything. But at the end of the day, This is another complex problem that requires investing outside the U.S. in some of those countries that are destabilized because of, in many cases, our own meddling. But again, you can't go on the campaign trail and say that sort of stuff because Americans, A, don't like being told, well, we're kind of responsible for this. We broke it. We need to fix it. And B, they certainly don't want to hear, well, you may have to suck it up and feel a little bit of the pain yourself until this is solved they want simple solutions even if the solutions aren't really solutions aren't going to work if they understand them and someone placates them it's okay i'll make it better they're lying to you but it sure sounds nice doesn't it final segment of the ron show for monday and it's so unfortunate that not all of trump's court cases are being televised or we're even getting video because man in what I'm if what I'm reading from his New York fraud trial is legit and of course it is then oh my gosh we're seeing the largest man baby meltdowns he took the stand today how historic is this y'all a former U.S. president taking the stand as a defendant in a fraud trial. I mean, those of us who pay any attention outside the political realm, before he was a politician, we knew he was a fraud. We knew he was a, just a facade of uh this 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 fake view of American largesse and success. NBC bailed him out four I'm sorry, six bankruptcies of four companies. He didn't have Much worth or cachet to him, except for the celebrity status from being a a picture of opulence of the 1980s and early 90s. And so NBC, looking for someone to host a TV reality show where celebrities duke it out for a job, chose Donald Trump and paid him well. And he parlayed that to continue to prop up brands that were largely frivolous. Trump University, Trump stakes. <sighs> anyway, so here he is all on trial for fraud. And man, he kept floating this whole like there were disclaimers. We had disclaimers that basically do your own due diligence. These disclaimers basically said, don't, don't pay attention to what we're saying. Do your own due diligence. And he just kept throwing man baby tantrum after man baby tantrum today. And This is the visual the American voters need and we're not getting, unfortunately. It's a terrible thing you've done. You know nothing about me. He's retorting to (laughs) a prosecuting attorney questioning him. You believe that political hack back there, he said, talking about the New York Attorney General Tish James. Either people are very stupid or there's a fraud. That's him referring to this pretrial ruling in which Justice Arthur Ingram found that Trump had inflated his assets to obtain favorable terms from banks and insurers. It's because of that ruling that this trial is about what penalties Donald and his company are going to face. And because there's no jury, the judge gets to decide that issue as well. So his defense is all about these disclaimers. We have a disclaimer clause that says, do your own due diligence, don't under any circumstances count on anything in here. If you were borrowing money, they were not really documents that the banks paid much attention to. They looked at the deal, they looked at the asset, but these were not very important. And so he kept going on about these disclaimers, and finally the judge says, no, 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 no. We're not going to hear about the disclaimer clause. If you want to hear about the disclaimer clause, read my opinion again, or for the first time, perhaps. Trump blasts back, you're wrong in your opinion. He called me a fraud and he didn't know anything about me. The judge begging his attorney to get him under control. I beseech you to control him if you can. If you can't, I will. I will excuse him and draw every negative inference that I can. This is not a political rally. This is a courtroom. <laughs> oh, man. I'm telling you, these are the visuals the American voter needs to see. But I... I, I Again, I just I don't know that it matters. There's always going to be that forty percent of the country that's going to be in his corner, no matter what, and are going to see this all as the witch hunt. Never mind all the the guilty pleas and uh, the deals being made by some of his cronies to avoid prison time themselves, so that they, of course, can aid folks like Fonnie Willis here, Fulton County District Attorney, in bolstering her case against bigger targets Rudy Giuliani for example Donald Trump for example. nope it's all a witch hunt this is all political it's all poli- like this fraud thing I I hear nothing political about this uh, oh I'm sorry the Attorney General is an elected official of a party that Donald Trump's not a member of. we're supposed to pay attention to that but not to uh, I I used a disclaimer it's it said do your own diligence. Never mind the the whopper lies about value of property and goods. Never mind the past, the Trump Foundation being the fraud it was, having to be shut down, Trump University being the fraudulent, air quotes, university it was, needing to be shut down, the six bankruptcies of four companies. Never mind any of that. It's all a political witch hunt. It's just because we don't like him. That's all. Poor Donald. At the end of the day, I'm not one that believes that New York Times-Siena College polling is accurate, but I think it's close enough. And even if it's close enough, it's just a sad snapshot in American history that that's where we are. And the sad thing is Democrats only have the option of backing an incumbent who cannot overcome his biggest obstacle, his age. And I'm not one that's going to pretend that maybe Biden's not at 80 the Biden he was at 60. No, I, I firmly believe that because I firmly believe that a 60-year-old Joe Biden doing what he's doing now would be able to run circles around Donald Trump rhetorically and physically, which we know he can do physically. And that the American mindset would be way more confident in what they're seeing from their president versus his man-baby tantrum-throwing 91 indictment opponent. So, here we go. We're about a year out. As a matter of fact, tomorrow's election day for a lot of local races, which marks the year mark until we get to vote for who's going to be president of the United States, leader of the free world for the next four years. Well, here we go. And actually, that music means I got to go. Back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. on the America One Radio app, americawineradio.com, wherever you podcast. Show notes RonshowATL.com. We will see you tomorrow. Have a good evening.